This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Hanley. And this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. The state is preparing for the rollout of the COVID vaccine for children ages 5 to 11. And there are some issues with the state's vaccine data. Also, voters all across the state heading to the polls next week in city elections. Joining me now to talk about all of that and more are NHPR's Ali Pham and Mary McIntyre. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good to have you guys both in. Let's start with you, Allie. You've been following the state's plan for distributing the COVID vaccine for young children. It is going to work a little differently than the rollout earlier this year for adults. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it is going to be different. I mean, I think one of the most, frankly, striking parts of the rollout for adults were just those, you know, big vaccination sites, those, you know, at the Motor Speedway where they were moving, you know, thousands of people through, right. site staffed by the National Guard. And that's not happening. Um, so over the summer, the state really started to or kind of continued to shift vaccine administration away from themselves and more, you know, kind of further into the hands of other providers. So your pharmacies, your hospitals, your doctor's offices, community clinics and other you know, events, um, you know, mobile clinics at state parks. And that kind of patchwork of providers is, you know, where we're going to see this rollout kind of riding on. So the state does have the ability to stand up fixed sites if needed. You know, they've got a contract already with a, a, a company that would allow them to do that. But, you know, we shouldn't expect it. Um is this because they're not expecting the kind of demand that we had earlier this year? Yeah. I mean, I think a mix. So, uh, I mean... Kids 5 to 11 is just a much smaller population than, you know, all of our adult population. I think also realistically, if we look at vaccination rates, they're a lot higher in our older population. And as we get younger and younger, those rates get lower and lower. So demand there could be, um, you know, delayed as well. Additionally, kids are just less vulnerable to the virus. So while some parents want to be falls off right through the younger. gate, yeah, other yeah. parents might be like, eh, I can get it, you know, this week or I could get it next month. They might sure. not feel that same sense of urgency that, you know, someone in their 80s felt. But what about parents who are looking to get their kids <laughs> vaccinated as soon as possible? How, how, how soon could it be available? Where should they go first? <laughs> yes, we do get a lot of emails on that We do. That we note. really um, do. <laughs> and it, it is hard to answer exactly exactly, you know, where you can get it on day one. So the state has pre-ordered thousands of doses. And one of the hospitals that's working with them told me that um, what they've heard is the first round of pre-orders will be arriving November 5th. So that's a few days after um, the federal approval process could wrap up, which would be on the 3rd. And that second batch of pre-ordered state doses arrives on the 9th. What is possible is we could see some pharmacies get their doses kind of around the same time, maybe a day earlier. And what I've seen in just kind of other rollouts like the booster rollout is sometimes some pharmacies will have <laughs> the doses a little bit before some of the state's providers. So that could be the the place to go. That said, pharmacies are already... Many of them kind of, you know, booking several days out for boosters. So appointments could also fill up quickly. So it really just kind of depends on your local, you know, So the short answer is we're not sure yet. Uh, And, of course, this is all contingent on federal approval, too, for the vaccine, which has not not officially been made. Yeah. I think the other point, too, sorry to cut you off, just to make is – I think right now we're so used to the idea that you can just walk in and get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. You might have to wait a little bit initially to get your kid vaccinated. Just because these doses are different. These doses are different. Not all of our providers are going to have them. 
Um, and, you know, it's a new group that's eligible all at the same time. Booster doses are happening at the same time. A lot of other health providers have some of their staff tied up with giving flu vaccines, so there could be some some wait time. Absolutely. But the short answer right now is sometime in November. Yes. <laughs> That's what we're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Wednesday at a press conference, State Health Commissioner Laura Shivanette said the state's vaccination data is no longer accurate due to technical challenges in the state's immunization system. The CDC has totally different vaccination numbers than the state. How, how did that happen, Allie? Rick, this has been the question I've tried, been trying to answer. Yeah, all this summer. was a really strange discrepancy. <laughs> yeah. So what we saw was that over the summer, the vaccination rate that the state was reporting and the CDC was reporting just really diverged to the point where today, if you look at the state's website, um, it says that about 60 percent of Granite Staters have gotten at least one dose. And of that's been static for a while. That has been just absolutely plateaued. The CDC, meanwhile, has that same figure. So folks who've gotten at least one dose of the vaccine at 75 percent. That is a difference of over 200,000 doses. So really That's large a huge discrepancy. discrepancy. Um, and what, you know, we had emails into the state and the CDC on this all summer. We never really got an answer until um, the press conference this week when Commissioner Shibonette explained that the state's data is the inaccurate one. And what has happened is that over the summer, the state kind of lost the ability to migrate a lot of data from pharmacies, which are a huge vaccine provider here, um, into their system. And that's why the, their rate just absolutely um, plateaued. But in, in effect, it's, it's good news. I mean, the it rate is, is much higher than right. we thought. It is. Yeah. And we, you know, had been using the state's data. And that is because earlier in the year, we saw discrepancies between the two, and it turned out the CDC's numbers were higher, so we chose to stick with the state's data for our mm -hmm. reporting that was, as we know now, in fact, incorrect data. Um, but Will it be <laughs> corrected going is, forward? Yes, or vaccination are we... rate is higher. Well, let me ask you as a reporter, are, are, are you now referring to the CDC data in your reporting, or are I you am. sticking with state data? <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely okay. sticking with CDC data. Commissioner Shibonette has said that's the one that's to the go with. That's the official they're looking at. And now. we do have an interview request okay. in to try to talk to her more about that. This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Ali Pham and... Mary McIntyre. You can let us know your thoughts and questions about the state's vaccine rollout for young children by sending us an email to voices at nhpr.org, or you can leave us a voice message, as many have done at 603-513-7790. I want to turn our attention now to some city elections that are happening next week. A lot of this is likely to be on, on voters' minds talking about vaccines and uh, COVID in general and responses as they head to the polls next week. Cities across the state are holding elections on Tuesday. Mary, what are some of the top issues that people are going to be voting on? Sure. So um, there are a lot of issues across different cities in the state. In Portsmouth, people will be voting on whether to allow the electronic gambling game Keno at restaurants and other establishments. Um, the New Hampshire Lottery Commission says that there are like 84 towns and cities that have approved Keno since the state first allowed it back in 2017. Portsmouth has voted it down before, so we'll see if this year turns out differently. 
Um, and Nashua, Nashua doesn't have a mayoral election this year. It's the only city in the state uh, where the mayor has a four-year term. So um, Mayor Jim Donchis was elected in 2019, so he still has two years left. Of course, there are other important positions to fill, like Board of Aldermen and the school board. Um, you know, And then people will also be deciding whether there should be changes to the city's police commission. Um, right now, Nashua is the only city in the state where the governor and the executive council appoint police commissioners. Kind of an unusual situation. Right. Yeah. Um, so a question on the ballot asks whether the mayor and board of aldermen should be the ones to approve the city's police commission. And it also asks whether the commission should be expanded from three people to five. Okay. So that's an issue we'll be watching in, in Nashua. How about the mayoral race in Manchester, Mary, the state's largest city? It's a rematch between incumbent Joyce Craig and Victoria Sullivan. Both were uh, on uh, Morning Edition earlier this week. C- can you give us the breakdown of that race? Right. So uh, Democrat Joyce Craig is running for her third term as mayor. You know, um, she and Victoria Sullivan, who is a Republican and a former state representative, they also ran against each other two years ago. The main issues around the race this year are pretty similar to that to that race mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, you know, Victoria Sullivan's main message is that Craig is not doing enough to stop crime in the city. Craig has responded to that claim by saying crime rates in Manchester have actually been on a downward trend in the last five years. Um, And she's also said that she's created more than 30 positions for community police officers to expand foot patrols around the city. Um, You know, other top issues that they talked about in their interviews with you, Rick, earlier this week, you know, housing, education, of course. Um, And if folks want to learn more about what they said on air, they, of course, can go and listen to those full interviews on our website. They're at hpr.org. What about other mayoral races in the state, Mary? Yeah, so uh, I'll give you the quick rundown, I guess. Um, in Laconia, incumbent Mayor Andrew Hosmer, he's a Democrat. He's running for his second term as mayor. His challenger is Republican Don Johnson. Johnson is a first-time state representative. Um, you know, there were actually some calls from local leaders in Laconia for her to resign from the House last year in December of 2020. This was after she posted a link on Twitter to an article with an anti-Semitic image from a neo-Nazi website. Um, She issued an apology and continued to serve as a state representative. And in Claremont, incumbent Charlene Lovett is not running for re-election. She served as mayor for the last six years, um, but now she's decided to step back. This has left the race for mayor in Claremont uncontested. So uh, current city councilor Dave Girard, he's the only one running. And then, of course, in Berlin, uh, incumbent Paul Grenier, he's also running unopposed after the recent death of his challenger, Robert Haynes, from COVID-19. Seems like some unusual situations to have so many unopposed races. Yeah, um, it's definitely an interesting year for yeah. city elections. Uh, I want to stay in the North Country for a bit. Coas County is seeing a huge spike in cases of, of uh, COVID this month. Allie, I know you spent some time in Berlin last week. Can you give us an update on how things are looking there? Yeah, so I had spent a lot of my time in the Berlin and Gorham area. And fortunately, in that you know region of the North Country, cases are coming down in local schools and in the, the hospital in the region. What we're seeing, though, is obviously Coates County is a huge county. Um, and the kind of stress of that surge has started to shift northward to the Colebrook area. And the health system there now is 
is starting to to really feel that. And they may have to transfer some patients around a bit. Yeah, yeah. We saw, you know, this week they transferred one actually to the Berlin and Gorham area. Yeah, yeah. Um, So as you said, it may be shifting northward a bit. But the the good news is at least cases have started to drop in mm -hmm. in the Berlin-Gorham area. yeah. Uh, I want to also look at one more story uh, that was happening earlier this week. Mary, student protests at the University of New Hampshire, another top story from the week. What was happening there? Yeah, so Samantha Kutsia and Gabriella Lozada reported on this for NHPR this week. Um, on Monday, more than 100 students gathered outside the home of UNH President James Dean to protest what they've been calling the school's insufficient response to recent sexual assault allegations on campus. Um, so more than 5,000 students have signed a petition to expel a student who is accused of multiple incidents of sexual assault. And as of Monday, Monday, um, Durham's police chief said that the department hasn't been involved in investigations into the allegations, which are being handled by UNH police. And so the response from James Dean and the university is... Right. Well, you know, Dean did show up to the protest on Monday to try and address student concerns, um, though many protesters protesters honestly said they weren't really persuaded by his messages. Uh, Some pointed specifically to a recent email he sent out to the student body, which which they said appeared to downplay the severity of the allegations. Um, You know, Dean responded by saying he believes students aren't seeing the whole picture. Moving forward, though, uh, students and administrators are scheduling a time to meet and talk. He was cautioning, too, about people posting things on social media. Right. Um, Saying that, you know, some of these claims need to be verified and investigated. Okay, we'll hear more about that, I'm sure, as time goes on. Allie and Mary, I want to ask you both before we leave, what are the projects you might be reporting on, what you're looking for in the next week or so? Let's start with you, Mary. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I talked a lot about city elections. We'll obviously be reporting the the results of that this week here on Morning Edition. Okay. How about you, Allie? I mean, other than the unending saga of this pandemic in New Hampshire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Never-ending stories. <laughs> I mean, we've got um, open enrollment for health insurance plans starting on November 1st. So I'll be, I think, uh, having a story there about some of the new health insurance navigators who are now on the ground in New Hampshire um, this time around. All right. We'll be watching for those stories and much more as we go into next week. And we'll hear all about it on the Friday uh, New Hampshire News Recap next week at this time. NHPR's health and equity reporter, Ali Pham, and producer, Mary McIntyre. Thank you both. Thank you, Rick. This is Morning Edition from NHPR.